independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. You are listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we're very happy to have Sunken Ships. Singer-songwriter Ray Argyle and his band Sunken Ships have a sort of musical identity crisis. They bill themselves as playing a darker shade of folk, but it's their disparate influences that wrestle for prominence in their sound. Sunken Ships flirts with organic Americana elements. The standard-issue acoustic guitars are here, but there is something else churning just underneath the surface. The band draws inspiration from folky Brit bands, dark pop, and mopey folk, and it all has a sheen of sweet musical frosting on top to keep their songs from getting too macabre. All in all, it just works. Welcome to Independence Day, Ray and Joe. Thank you. Thanks you guys are kind of Echo Park-based, is that correct? Yes, uh, mostly. I would say three-fourths of the band, something like that, is in Echo Park or uh, very close by. And what uh, what percentage of the band do we have here today with the two of you on guitar and vocals? Is this half the band? Is this a quarter of the band? What is this? Two out of five. Two out of five, which makes the uh, three quarters that are, live in Echo Park kind of questionable. Yeah. No, Tell, well, what about Pablo? He lives, in I guess. In Echo Park. Yeah, but three quarters of five and members. I said, I don't know. I'm not good at math. One of us lives somewhere else. A in any bit. case, tell me about the <laughs> what's what's the rest of the instrumentation of the band like. We've got obviously two guitars here. What else is there? There's a violin player, Pablo, uh, bass player, and backup vocalist Rose, uh, and then Nick. Chick bass player. Yes, that's that's hot. Is it? It is. It is. That's. Uh, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, and then Nick, uh, Nick Miller on drums. Okay. And how did you go about, like, you're, you're from San Diego originally, you said. Yes. Ray, or Alan, <laughs> as the case would be. And you... Or Aaron. How, how long ago did you, did you uh, show up here in L.A., and why? Why, did come, why come up from San Diego? Six years ago, um, I don't know, just kind of a little bit of uh, uh, stagnation, I guess. Um, always liked L.A. and decided to try it out and yeah. stayed. I mean, I suppose it's not that terribly far from home. It's no. not like you went from, you know, Cleveland to Miami or something like yeah, that. Yeah, not a stretch at all. Were really. you a musician when you were in San Diego as well? Yeah, uh-huh. I'd been in a um, number of bands. I went, I went um, away to college, and uh, when I came back, I, I was in bands um, pretty much from around 2000 uh, until about 2000. How far is away when you said you went away? Six. Uh, San Francisco okay. State, and I was in bands up there too, and I was in bands before that. But I mean, I never really got serious about music until I got back from college. And I was in a I was in a band called Congress of the Cow, playing bass uh, and backup vocals. And then I was in a band called uh, Plastic Explosive, that was sort of another formation of uh, me as a singer, frontman. Very nice. And mm-hmm. Joe, what like how did you guys get hooked up with this whole musical endeavor here? Did you guys know each other? You're from the you're from you said West Valley, correct? You're from out here. Yeah, I grew up out here, and um, I moved over to Echo Park about three years ago, and um, through some mutual friends, Ray and I kind of just crossed paths. And uh, he, uh, before I started playing with him, I'd come to his shows, and um, I, I thought he was a pretty good kind of guy. I liked his music, yeah. and uh, when the opportunity came for me to join the band, he uh, he asked me if I'd like to play, and I said yes. And here we are. And the rest is history, the as rest they say. Is You've history. Regretted it ever since. I regretted. I was reluctant to agree. <laughs> Put my life down this path. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but indie rock is so lucrative, man. I mean, I'm sure oh, you've it's got wheelbarrows of money, right? Well, that's what yes. we're in it for. That's what that's what we're doing. 
here right now. We're waiting for the wheelbarrow. All right. <laughs> Me too. All right. Let's give these guys, let's give our listening audience a listen to what you guys are all about here. This is a track from you guys did an EP just a few years ago. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a few years ago. Um, and this uh, song is called Mercy. Um, it's the first song on that EP. Uh-huh. And is this something people can still pick up? Is this something that's it's physically available? It's a CD, but it's also a download, correct? You can uh, stream it on the web. Um, if you go to our website, sunkenshipsmusic.com, it's on there. And uh, you can buy some of the tracks on our Bandcamp page, which you can find through our website. Very, very nice. Well, let's give people a point of reference so they know what we're talking about when we talk about you guys here. This is the track Mercy from Sunken Ships on Independence Day.
Are listening to Independence Day. Mime is my my Where am I? Terrible tonight. My name is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Lancer Radio, broadcasting from the campus of Pasadena City College in beautiful Pasadena, California. It was a rainy day ish here in Los Angeles, which doesn't come often, especially this year. Not a lot of rain in Los Angeles this year. I think we're going to have some fire problems if this keeps up. We have tonight with us in the studio the band Sunken Ships. At least we have two of them. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hi. We have yes. Ray and Joe, and they, they in, in chorus together. If you guys could do that in harmony, yeah. you could take your act down the road. Hello. 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 Like the Three Stooges. <laughs> That's awful. So you guys are an Echo Park-based band. Now, do you, you got about a five-piece or so, kind of a co-ed band. You've got some bass, you've got some drums, you've got some violin. What would you say, you know, with influences like this, you know, if you were to pick, like, an influence or two that would be the most key influences that you have, who would those bands be or artists be? And you can. Oh, this is so this is hard. That's such a hard question. Uh, but because well, okay, like I, I can speak for myself, but then it doesn't really necessarily reflect the entire band. Well, of um, course, or even what we've ended up being. Like, I mean, I think you know, obviously, like bands like Arcade Fire, um, sort of started bringing in you know strings and and extra extra people to sort of fill things out. We're nothing you know near as as big as that. Right. We just have the violin, but um, you know, I mean, I think there's some of that in there. Um, Joe. Want to help me on this? Um, I've uh, been a I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, the broken social scene, and uh, that's a big stretch. Arcade that's Fire a big stretch. Broken social scene. Oh, um, I like a lot of ambient stuff, actually. Yeah. I like a lot of uh, like Brian Eno and um, stuff like Mogwai, mm-hmm. um, American Analog set. Yeah, because when on on the recording stuff that I've heard, you know, I've, there's some live stuff on your website or on, on you know, the band's website. There's a few videos on there, and you do a really ethereal, almost like the Edge kind of thing with like chimey stuff yeah, and the I, echo I and kind of ethereal stuff over the top of it. Let me I mean, here's a different way to ask the same question: mm-hmm. like when you like if you meet someone, they hey they find out you have a band, mm. and they ask you, well, hey, what do you sound like? What do you say? Like, how do you describe the band? Say it's it's a, a hard question. <laughs> no, I um, I usually say okay. Morrissey meets, and then I pick an indie rock band. Um, <laughs> band of Horses. Band of Horses. There you go. Uh-huh. Something like that. Just because, okay, because people say that I sing like uh, Morrissey, and uh-huh. because that is one of my favorite, you know, the Smiths are one of my favorite bands of all time. So I'd, I'd say that fits, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, your influences, you know, they say, uh, you know, flattery is like the, the best form of, of respect. And I'm, I'm, hacking that phrase yeah. but by imitation you know that's a way <laughs> right. of showing respect to somebody right, right, you know right, it's like right. kind of tipping a hat hey i really like what you did uh-huh. uh you know and it's hard for bands i think to get away from their influence especially very young bands mm-hmm. you know if they're really really into say i don't know arcade fire like their mm-hmm. first stuff they do often sounds a lot like yeah, arcade fire like and finding that, yeah. like what did you do to find your own voice as an artist well i just don't i don't try to imitate anybody but you know i just think it sort of filters in naturally um your influences do and and you can um you know if you just try to stay true to like the the voices you're hearing in your head the the you know the the vision that you have in your head for the song 
um, those influence will just get in there. And hopefully, you know, you're not just ripping off some song yeah. that they wrote. Yeah, and so much of your music, as I was listening to it, prepping for the show, it's kind of got this, like, there's this juxtaposition, you know, which is the kind of why I describe you almost have an identity crisis. But I don't, I'm not saying that in a bad way. That's fine. You've got, these, you've got this situation musically where you've got dark versus light. Whereas, you know, a lot of music that I listen to has, like, really dark lyrics, but the music is kind of happy. Mm. Yours is, like, almost the other way around. Mm-hmm. You've got music that's, you know, the music itself is kind of dark, but you might have happy lyrics over the top of it. Is that intentional? Um, that's the first time I ever heard that. But, uh, no, I, I think that most of the time, um, I mean, I think some of, some of the vocals are kind of jubilant in that they're sort of rejecting something that may have been bothering me before. And now I'm, you know, I'm past it and I'm letting you know I'm past it kind of a thing. Uh-huh. That, yeah, that might be the case. But I've been told over and over and over again that my lyrics are just dark, dark, dark. Um, yeah. And uh, no, I mean, I, and I don't care about that either. I, I think it's most of the stuff I like is very dark. So, so for you, it's, it's like music as therapy. Yeah. Is that one uh, yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, either usually either like analyzing myself or. A relationship or or something like that. Yeah. What are your What are your hot button topics? Like every every artist has a few things that they you know that it's really comfortable for them to write, or some artists really push themselves to write about very different things. Like what What are the topics you like to write about the most? Mm, well, definitely, um, you know, relationships gone wrong, or uh, <laughs> that, that's a big one. Um, and then uh, just I think my feeling of uh, uh, being at odds with most people around me. Is another one sort of antisocial. I think that's a that's a common theme with musicians is yeah. feeling apart and separate from society, and that's kind of I think music is a way that helps them connect with with society and with themselves. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's very fair. And you know, you've also on the recordings, there's, there's a pretty good amount of piano as well. Mm. So tonight you're playing guitar, but do you also are you the one that's playing the piano on those tracks? Yeah, I, be, I began as a piano player actually okay. first, um, and then um, I kind of let it go for a long time got really rusty and uh but i'm trying to sort of bring it back into my life and um use it more and i think i'll probably be playing a lot more piano uh with sunken ships the one stumbling block there is i really do not like keyboards yeah i have a real problem like digital, you mean like digital keyboards digital, yeah like I, ha- I bought one i bought one of these you know pretty decent you know full full range weighted keys all that um, and I don't know, it's just still not the same. So it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have the visual impact and yeah. it doesn't have the romance that an actual instrument has. That's what's it's so nice about a guitar. Yeah. Even an electric guitar is still wood and metal and wire yeah. and, and it, and it, like, it fits into you the way it's contoured into your body. Like it's, you can kind of become part of it. And the piano is the same way. I mean, it was alive at one point, mm. you know, it was a tree yeah. or a lot of it was at least. Yeah. But then, you know, when you're playing something like a, a, a digital keyboard, it doesn't have that connection at all. Mm-hmm. You can fake it, but it's just not there. And there's always that kind of like digital sizzle. I notice. I mean, I know they get yeah. better and if you spend, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, it gets better. But you know, this was like a grand and I can still hear like, this is just, I don't I hear it. You know? you know what you should look into? This is un- unsolicited advice, but mm, there's something called a, a Yamaha CP70, I think is what it's called. It's mm. an actual, it's a, it's a, it's kind of this weird hybrid electric piano thing, but it actually, I think it has strings. So it's, it's a shorter chop. It's like a little oh, mini really? grand piano. I oh, think that's awesome. what the edge used to play huh. back along. Maybe it still does. There's strings in it. 
Yeah, it's actually got strings, and it's oh, not man. light, but it's not an actual piano, and it's not like a Wurlitzer, and it's not a Fender Rhodes. Yeah. It's an actual piano, and it's got this really unique sound. I think the guy from Keen plays one too. Hmm. It's, so it's kind of a kind of a hybrid sound between a piano and then kind of like an electric piano. So look, yeah. check those out. They're hard yeah. to they're hard to find, but I think it might be a cool way because then it becomes kind of like part of the the band experience yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, we can um we can track one of those down and pay for it with our uh, wheelbarrows. Your yeah, wheelbarrows. When the, money. When, yeah, when the wheelbarrow shows up, we'll go ahead and send send one of your minions over with the wheelbarrow <laughs> see how much they'll sell you the cp70 for naked minions indeed money so would you guys uh, indulge us with a song would you be oh, yeah. cool to play a little something for yes, us you've got uh, surely we even prepared a little bit that's what we like about, to hear on independence day we like it ago. awesome we like it when people get things together and you've got the uh you've got the mouth guard harmonica holder there yeah it's kind of stiff so tell me what this is going to be what is this um, so this song is called Sea of Sickness, and it's actually a kind of old song that I uh, used to play with Plastic Explosive that I dusted off and we sort of revamped for, uh, for Sunken Ships. Um, and it's, uh, let's see, it's about being at a bar at closing time and having a female friend of mine be so wasted that she wants me to take her home and me not really... Uh, like Thinking that that's like, a great idea like for either one of us. Take her home or just like take I home? I think... Take her home the first way. The former. Yeah. <laughs> there are worse things. I know, but yeah, just 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 sort of knowing that like she's in a bad place and this is just a bad scene and let's just not kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah. But I think he really refers to you know take her home like don't get in the car with me, kind of thing because we just got out of a bar at two a.m. No, I mean you know. No, no. I was dead sober. Let's you, go. You let's were go. Dd that night. Huh? Let's go. Let's go straight to the uh, straight to the song. See what the song has to say about it. Crazy fly flies high on a heaving heap. She simply will not hear that I'd rather sleep than take her home. It's ugly out there Get home It's ugly out there On the sea The sea of sickness Clinging to anything To keep 
ourselves afloat Sunken ships on Independence Day. Very nice, gentlemen. Ray Argyle, Joe Mullins. Thank you. Thanks. Very, very, very nice. So when you guys go to write your tunes, Ray, I mean, is this is this kind of a democracy in the band, or nine. is this kind of like a benevolent dictatorship? Nine, nine, nine. Benevolent dictatorship. <laughs> t- tyrannical dictatorship. So do you, in other words, Ray, do you bring songs to the band and they play them, or do you ever work well, together with them? Okay. So in the beginning, uh, it was a bunch of songs that I already had going with uh, different musicians at different times. So the easiest thing for us to do was just to start playing those songs, ready to go. You know? right. Make them way better. Okay, and make them way better. Uh, way, way better. <laughs> and so um, and so we did that, and then, you know, recently we've sort of uh, been playing with uh, the collaborative process a little bit more. But, I mean, for the most part, and tell me if I'm wrong here, Joe, for the most part I'm, I'm bringing songs to the table, and we're kind of finishing, finishing them off uh, as a band and coming up with ideas for arrangement and things like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, Ray is the uh, creative force behind a lot of the songwriting, and uh, he he's he's good at what he does, and we don't question that, especially with it being such a tyrannical dictatorship and all. But uh, no, no, Ray's got great ideas, and um, you know, he's always open to hearing us out. But uh, just as it's kind of been lately, we've uh, you know we've been getting together, and it's uh, it's just sometimes we'll we'll get together, he'll show something new, and it'll just click pretty pretty. Pretty well. I would say, and I would say, just to add to that, so I don't sound so horrible. Um, 
I mean, it, the a big part of what's been going on is we don't have a uh, we don't have like a regular practice space or anything. So usually, you know, we did we did for a little bit until yeah. uh, I got evicted. <laughs> so um, so most of the time we don't have, you know, these like regular sessions where we get to just jam and try out ideas. When we go to a studio, we're paying by the hour. So, we, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, let's just get some things done like they're almost finished, you know. Yeah, that situation is different in every city. When I was living in Chicago, it was pretty common for bands. And still, you have like a lockout because they're not as expensive there. Mm-hmm. You know, we paid, a, I think we shared it with one or two other bands. And we had a space 24 hours a day where we could go and our gear stayed there so we didn't have to be in our living rooms. Yeah. And we could play as loud as we want. It wasn't an issue. Yeah. In LA, it's very different. Um, you know, it's most of the spaces here, unless you've got a lot of money, most of the spaces here are hourly spaces. Yeah, we would, so, lo- we would love a lockout. And we have friends that, that have them. But yeah, it's a, it's a matter of money. Um, yeah, rehearsals can cost you easy sixty bucks a month, which, or 60, a week, yeah. which doesn't sound like much until you add that up over the course of a month, and then it gets bigger. And yeah. you know, there's just on top of everything else. You know, the, we like to talk about those wheelbarrows, but when it gets down to the nitty gritty, mm-hmm. you know, the the wheelbarrow is really full of something other than money. Yeah, um, Joe. Well, if anybody has a garage out there that you'd love <laughs> to let us practice yeah. in, we'll uh, we'll bring you a twelve pack. Or- <laughs> Thirty couple thirty packs maybe or something, and then we'll drink it, and you can watch us. <laughs> we'll all drink it. Now, but even though as you're, you know, you're the writer, do you um, do you approach other things in terms of the band? Is it more of like a democracy? Does the band get a vote when it comes to oh, definitely other things? Yeah, 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 definitely. Actually, Joe is um, pretty much the manager and makes most of the decisions about stuff we do. Um, I am uh, I've sort of deferred that over to him because I'm. A bad at it, B and I B I hate it. <laughs> uh, so Joe doesn't mind it as much. He's better with the you know. So Joe, do you do the people. booking as well then? You know, uh, we all kind of we all have contacts, and you know when we're approached with things, we'll all bring it to the table. But uh, yeah, I actively do most of the booking. Um, you know, I told Ray when I joined the band, I said, "Hey Ray, uh, you're really good at writing songs, and you're really bad at." Uh, Getting shows. Let me uh, let me take over that aspect, and why don't you just focus on on making good songs? And I th- I think that's a beneficial arrangement for most bands. Every now and again, the band is fronted by this like Uber type A personality who writes the songs, does the production, does the managing, does all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times, that person who fills that role in a band, you know, they're kind of the most artistic type. They've got the you know the artistic temperament, so they might not be even good at dealing with people in general. You know, they're great at writing songs and performing yeah. and those kinds of things. But when it comes down to hounding a booking person yeah. or going to the printer to get posters yeah. or papering, you know, flyering cars at a show, that kind of thing, yeah. like they're, they're kind of lacking. So I think you've definitely you're on the right track as far as that goes. Well, you know, uh, you know, Ray and I, we both come from backgrounds of being singer songwriters and we've both, you know, promoted ourselves individually. And, uh, you know, I think we can both agree that it's a lot easier when you have a team to work with and uh, and. um you know, other people to wear different hats. Yeah. Whereas when you're by yourself, you're wearing all the hats, and that's yeah, that's tricky. And when it comes to when it comes to financing these recordings, you've got an EP, and you said you're actually working on a new EP and a record. There's some plans in the works for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are you? I mean, if the band's a democracy, but yet you're you're the Stalin of the organization, who's paying for for these recordings and the duplication, <laughs> all those things? Yeah, and the, well, the extravagant you know catering budget. <laughs> If if the band's listening right now, um, we wanted to uh, talk to you guys about that. Uh, <laughs> you're all fired. Uh, I used to have this wheelbarrow full of money, and uh, I traded it all in for a bunch of recording equipment. So, Actually, um, yeah, I've um, 
yeah. I've been investing in music equipment my entire life. I love making music. It's my way of coloring, and those are my crayons. And so, you know, over the years, we just kind of got ourselves to a point where we were like, hey, um, we kind of got everything we need. We have all the tools right now, right here. Like, why would we need to go somewhere else to, you know, do that? And that's kind of the beauty of um, this album is that we have the ability to record it on our own time and not have to worry about, um, you know, the clock ticking away, which, you know, has its ups and downs. It could be a double-edged sword, you know, when the clock's ticking away, it could kind of force you to get more done. But, you know, this way, we don't have to have the pressure and we can, you know, we can we can go back and say, uh, let's go redo that and make yeah. it right. And It's so, not like David Geffen's breathing, breathing down your neck for the new single. No. Not and, yet. No, mm-hmm. and we, we don't have to owe anyone any money for these recordings except for That basically means duplication then, right? Is what it comes down to? Sorry? CD replication is the the one like big cost. Right, so yeah, I was gonna, that's what I was gonna talk about. Yeah, so when that, when that comes up, I mean, I guess we'll have to decide, you know, your point, your point is totally valid and sort of pressing that, um, that at that point we'll have to decide, yeah, since it is more of my baby, you know, shouldn't I have to pitch in more or shouldn't I have to figure that out, you know, yeah. somehow. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of hoping for, um, hoping for some help from you know, we're, somewhere. You know, we're, I think we're, um, we're looking to from re- above. <laughs> I think we're looking to do a vinyl release, vinyl only. And, um, we're still toying with what we're going to do with the album digitally. Um, you know, nowadays it's so easy for people to listen to music. Yeah. It's so accessible. And there's this, you know, plethora of bands out there. That, you know, there's, there's kind of like too much going on. And so, you know, nothing's set in stone, but we've uh, really entertained the idea of maybe giving it away. Yeah, even on vinyl, you, you give know, it away? No, not on vinyl, of course. Yeah, we would, I mean, that, we would just, just give it away as, a, as like, free to downloads. download, yeah. You yeah. know, and then and anything else we could make happen from that, you know, maybe we would put it towards getting it pressed, you Cause, know. Because we make these songs for you guys, and we just, we just want you to listen to them. We just want to give them to you. Yeah. Are there plans to get out and do touring on this? Or are you, I mean, do you guys, uh, you're not making, a, are you making a living doing music? N- n- um, well, I, I kind of am, but not with this. I'm, I'm composing music for a film. So okay. I make money to doing that. Um, it's, um, you know, pays mo- that, most of my bills. That pays, that's your main gig then? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So are you, do you have like a computer setup that you do it mm-hmm. with at home? Yeah, Pro Tools. Pro Tools. And yeah, just, just kind of a very simple setup. Um, but, uh, you know, just... Um, you know, I, I'm, I have my specialties. I can't, you know, do every style, um, but I, the things that I can do, I, you know, do pretty well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> have you, uh, I mean, are you at liberty to say things you've had music placed in? I wouldn't know any of them. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of, um, like, web videos and some well, documentaries. Don't say them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you now, for sure. <laughs> I just called them beneath like, the radar. Oh, well, we're not yeah. calling him anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like, just stuff that pays, but not necessarily anything that's, like, made it to theaters or anything like that. Or, yeah, well, or, if it's paying the bills, I mean, it's not yeah. terribly important where it is no, exactly if, yeah. if, the, if the check shows up. Most of these are, you know, and most of the stuff that I've been paid for has just been commercial stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not... It's and that's not great fun. work. I mean, I have lots of friends in the business, you mm-hmm. know, people we've had on this show and people I hope to have on the show at some point, and that's, that's their main gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they work with 
TV, they work with uh, movies, they work with industrial, commercial type work, yeah. and there's not maybe a lot of glory in it necessarily. I mean, it's not like you're Trevor Rabin scoring for the new Transformers film right. yet, but you know, but it took him a long time to work up to doing that. You know, yeah. I mean, he played and he's he played in Yes for for a few years. I think that probably paid his bills for a few years. Yeah, sure it did. And uh, how about uh, how about some more music? I would love to have you guys play oh. some more stuff. You guys, oh, have yeah. got, you guys have got guitars here. You keep fiddling oh, yeah. with. It's like a nervous tick thing. Music. Well, that's the only reason I have a guitar in front of me. At it is. All. It is why you showed up and came all the way to Pasadena. Is Let it? Get not? this thing off of me. Yeah, you got your headphones there here. Mm-hmm. What are, what are we Can playing next, right? Headgear, mom. Uh, I don't know. Lost to you. Yeah, we could do that. All right. Okay. It's been decided. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Sunken Chips on Independence Day. One, two, three. Well, I guess there's nothing left to say. We've not gone through. It all ends up getting lost anyway Lost and confused We try to make it work a million different ways Oh, what's the use? I guess it doesn't matter anyway I'm lost to you I'm lost to you well, I've been looking for a while now for a way out And I've been trying to find the words To break your heart But I guess this is how We'll finally fade out Holding it all inside As we fall God knows I'm through Pretending everything will be okay Who have we fooled? It's only gone on this long Cause we've been afraid Afraid to move But now I guess there's nothing left to say I'm lost to you I'm lost to you Well, I've been looking for a while now For a way out And I've been trying to find the words To break your heart But I guess this is how We'll finally fade out Broken up inside As we fall apart As we fall apart as we fall apart. Sunken ships on Independence Day. Nice work, gentlemen. Thank Thanks. you, sir. And how prolific are you as a writer? I mean, is this something that do the songs kind of tumble out of you? Do you labor over them? Do you write a song a week? Do you write a song a month? Do they come in batches? Batches. Short answer is batches. Uh, sometimes they. Sometimes I will labor over a song for 
years. And then most of the time, though, it comes in, you know, like half or three quarters of a bunch of songs will will happen within a couple of months. And does the, the scoring work you have, does it inform your songs and vice versa? Or like how are, how are they related or disparate or different? I would say more of the composing has is informed by my you know my taste in um in in contemporary music and stuff but um definitely it goes the other way as well and i've 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 become a lot better at uh, arranging strings and things like that uh, strings and horns and stuff that i do for composing bringing them in do you have a degree in music no uh psychology psychology mm-hmm. that's interesting so with the scoring stuff i mean are you are you just kind of playing things out like on a committee controller keyboard or are you, are you actually scoring out things? Well, I'll do a lot of, um, yeah, scratch uh, stuff on MIDI. And, and then, you know, that's, I don't write it out. I have, the, I have the guys come in and listen to what I've done and then we kind of go from there. Yeah, and for those of you keeping score at home, MIDI, Musical Instrument Digital Interface, which is a, it's a computer language that was developed in, I think, the late 70s, early 80s that allows instruments to talk to one another and... You know, you can plug a MIDI cable into a keyboard and control something else. And it's kind of an insider baseball kind of thing. But for those of us out there, I mean, so much music. People don't really realize this. Almost all music that people see on television shows, commercials, and even more and more movies, those are not real musicians yeah. playing those instruments. These are sampled instruments. They are, synth, you know, created instruments. Uh, people just aren't, they're not aware of that because the yeah. technology's gotten so good. Yeah, and I mean, I don't have the best technology, but I, I'm a purist, so I I only use that, almost all the time, I only use that for uh, my scratch. And then I will have, you know, violin players come in, I'll have cello players come in, okay. I'll have just one at a time and layer it up. But yeah. that's just more, I don't know, I, I notice the difference and I like it better. When What's the biggest string arrangement you've done with by doing that? I remember... Uh, we, we did a session where we had, I think, just two players, one mm. cello player, one violin mm. player, and I think we wound up with a 20-some-plus piece string yeah. orchestra. Probably not that big yet, um, more like, I think, eight eight to ten piece. Yeah, it's there's nothing that replicates that sound. Mm. You know, when you guys record, do you pretty much stick to that same methodology? Do you use, like, real Tracked instruments it. on everything? Oh, or? yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, I don't, is there a case where we... Um, we, uh, we dabble with synthesizer a little bit here or there. Um, but yeah. other than that, you know, real pianos, real drums, real, we, uh, yeah, we've put some synthesizer and things and I'm not even sure that we'll keep it. Um, but yeah, the, it's mostly like bed, Betty kind of stuff like, yeah. in the background. Yeah. I, I personally, I don't know it, for this type, for this type of music, I just don't think yeah. it fits very well for, for my, for my money. I feel like there's like a few artists who I feel like are allowed to use synthesizers, <laughs> like like Pink Floyd. Like if you if you are Pink Floyd, you can use synthesizers, and that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're Radiohead, yeah. you can use synthesizers, and yeah. it, it can be used tastefully. Yeah. But I think it's just it's abused so much. Yeah. Well, we definitely be very careful. We definitely haven't incorporated it into our live set, yeah. and we don't have any plans on doing anything like that yeah. in the near future. So. No. Yeah. But I, you know, like I said, I do I do like the um, I do like trying to incorporate more piano, and and he's got a. He's got a, a Wurlitzer, and uh, we've been messing like a, with like that. Like a two hundred A, like a Wurlitzer yeah. electric piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one and of my favorite a, sounds. I probably about as yeah, me too, and uh, probably about as close as we'll get to synthesizers. I think. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your recording setup. Like, how much has it changed over the years? I mean, did like when you started, what what was your first little rig? Was it like a cassette four um, track, or did you start right away with Pro Tools? God, it was like a VHS machine and a tape player, like a little boombox. And I somehow figured that I could, you know, take songs from movies 
and record it onto my tape player and then like play that tape player with another tape player and record it like that and and so I just kind of toyed with that stuff. Actually, it wasn't a VHS machine; it was Betamax. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I I, I, um, I loved to p- bounce back and forth with cassette tapes, and then uh, you know from there I went to a four track cassette. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's kind of where I got so you, my roots. So you came by it honestly, then. That's, yeah. That's how Tom Petty started out. He had, I think, he had two boom boxes, mm-hmm. and he figured out exactly what you did. That if he he would play one track. And then he would play that through the boombox and then add another thing, layering it. Yeah. And then he yeah. would build up a track. You know, that's another thing. You know, people who aren't musicians don't really realize the technology that's involved in this. No. You know, before Les Paul, Les Paul essentially invented multi-track mm-hmm. recording. Mm-hmm. Before that, you know, those all those old recordings you hear from the 40s, 50s, you know, it's, it's a band in a room. Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's almost as if we're trying to replicate that mm-hmm. by going the long way around, by using a lot of tracks to make it sound like we're really just playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, we... we we um, have plans to do some live stuff, like truly live stuff. Um, That's hard. Yeah. That's very, very hard because it, it's time-consuming, too, because yeah. you actually, and you have to have someone else listening while you're doing it because you aren't impartial mm-hmm. while you're playing. You can't yeah. be listening the way that someone who's just there to listen is doing. Well, we have a, we have a friend. Um, hey, our friend John O'Hara yeah. started a little webisode series, and it's, uh, it's in the works still. It hasn't been released to the world but it's called in the backyard um and uh what it is essentially is a little acoustic performance in a backyard yeah and so he and he's a he's a film guy so he sets up his film crew and and films it you know so that you can have this amazing video of your live performance and then he's had joe um help him with the audio recording Does does he have a website uh no like i said it's in the works we've uh okay we've done He's done. Uh, we've done one band so far, a band called Caveman, and uh, we're just waiting for that video to pop up. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who knows when that'll be? But uh, yeah, hopefully, so soon. we have plans to get in there. I don't know, next couple of months, and, yeah. and get ours in. But yeah, he's probably going to wait to have a few in the can and then yeah. release them at once. You know. And technology is so pervasive now. Like, I mean, it, if, so you, you're using it for your job. You know, to do your scoring, mm-hmm. and you're using it for you know. You said, are you a Pro Tools guy, Joe, as well? Yeah, I am. Okay, so you're using it for your actual recording. I mean, wh- how else does the band use technology? I mean, do you have like, do you record song ideas into your phone? Do you promote yes. using the web? Like, what else do yes. you guys do? Uh, all that's well, those two things for sure. Um, I he tweets. And I don't. He, I don't. He means Joe. I'm sorry, Joe. I, you can't, can't see me. I forgot. Uh, yeah, uh, Joe tweets. I don't tweet, but I think he tweeted about this tonight. I did tweet about this to uh, my 50 followers. You know, and then there's, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not very tech savvy actually beyond recording equipment stuff. I mean, I'm, and that's, you know, just very specific to what I do, but uh, I pretty much um, hate computers and they hate me. So I leave most of that stuff to Joe as well. Um, and he's all over the internet with, you know, communicating about us. Um, aside from that, I don't know. How else do we use technology? Technology. <laughs> Space. It's, it's great when it works, right? Yeah. So another, another thing, you know, when, when a new band starts off, like finding the audience is like the key it's a key thing that you have to do to find people. To, I mean, you are using technology to find them and then corral them and get them to come no, to shows? No, you know, or? we've been um, just kind of word-of-mouthing it and, uh, you know, uh, sending out the invites to friends and whatnot, and that's kind of just spread around to, like, oh, hey, come with me to this yeah, show. I mean, we use email and we use Facebook and stuff, but um, 
it almost seems like a lot. I mean, you know, that stuff matters and you got to do it, but it seems like the most effective way to get people out to shows or to get through to anybody is just direct communication. You know, it's kind of come full circle, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's almost, uh, it's like this all-out assault. Now. Yeah. Like when, you know, from people are playing shows, you know, yeah. you can, you get like an email from a band, you get a text from a band, you get, you know, mm-hmm. a phone call. I remember, remember the band Toad the Wet Sprocket? Yeah. They kept, and they're actually kind of still around, sort of. Are they? They're Santa Barbara based. Yeah, they're Santa Barbara, yeah. They, um, they had, even up through the 90s and probably into the, the new millennium, they had a very robust, like, snail mailing list. Mailing list, yeah. You know, as, I mean, not email, but actual mail. So you'd, huh. they'd ask you, yeah. you'd be at a show, and you'd sign up for their list, like you do for every band that mm-hmm. you like. And they'd ask you, you know, what's your birthday? And there was a point at which they would send you a card for your birthday, you know, right. or then, you know, their mailing list. I don't know how big it was. It was pretty substantial. Excuse me, but at one point, you know, they would, they mailed, I think, a CD out. Like mm-hmm. some kind of, and this was back before everybody could record an album for $8 at home on their laptop. You know, yeah. this was when they actually had to go to a studio and record on two-inch tape. Yeah. And they sent, they would send music out to their fans, not email. Mm. They would send a CD, which mm. I think is a really cool way to interact with your fans. Yeah. You know, it's. That's that's your bread and butter. That's yeah. your gold. I mean, those are the people that are paying yeah. your salary, putting money in the wheelbarrow. Um, I guess my question would be, you know, how many people would be open to giving their home address to a band that they don't know yeah. now? I it's mean, a, ba- a newer band. Like, yeah, I told you about Spocket. They'd probably still be willing to, you know, an established band. But, yeah. Right. I know, it'd be interesting to see, you know. Who Have you guys considered doing a, like a Kickstarter kind of thing? Like a lot of people who come through this yeah. show, I mean, I mean, it seems kind of – Almost like you're badgering people, but that, I know bands that have done very well with that. Yeah, I'm. Um, not, I don't think I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, I, I would say that I'm not really comfortable with it either. Um, I like the idea of it. I think it's kind of cool, but uh, you know, we're trying to play more free shows so that our friends don't have to pay to come see us play. You know, we, uh, you know, we don't do this because we're looking for that wheelbarrow. We do this because it's what we love to do, and we love yeah. to and bring other people into you know share what we do with them and. Um, I mean, there are expenses, you know, that you have to think about, but I guess we're just hoping that when we get to that point where we really need money and nothing else but money um, to accomplish one of our goals, that, you know, we can figure out a way. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll show up. It yeah. always does. It yeah. always works itself Cause, out. Because, yeah, I mean, and yeah, no, nothing against anyone who does that. Um, it's just that I don't personally want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. And how do you feel, you know, L.A.'s got this reputation. There's like... At least like a rock town, you know, mm. there's like the, the, the really aggressive stuff, like the Sunset Strip kind of sound. And then there's a little bit of like a like a almost like a uh, offshoot of the Bakersfield sound down here. There's like a kind of a hardcore country kind of mm. kind of thing. Um, where do you and then there's like the indie rock thing, too. Mm. But where where do you think you guys fit into this whole L.A. scene or, or, or well, does I, it matter? I don't think it's a stretch at all for us to, to be like within that indie rock, you know, scene. I mean, a lot of indie rocks very like sort of. Americana, you know, influence like we are and things. I don't, you know, I don't think we're too outside of, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the, what's going on in the indie rock scene. Um, but I think we could also fit in, you know, on, with a with a, a little more like of a raucous um, country night. Yeah. You know? Well, that's my that was that leads me to my next question. Like, what you seem to have these like two kind of strong sets of influences. You know, number one, uh-huh. you've got kind of like the Morrissey poppy like because when i hear your music it sounds very british to me 
you know, but then you've got kind of like your earthy organic thing, but it doesn't come together the same way that like you two did on Joshua Tree, where it was like they were kind of ethereal and it was like they discovered American Roots music and mm-hmm. made Joshua Tree and then kind of mm-hmm. went off in another direction from there. Mm-hmm. Yours comes together in a different kind of way. Like, how do you how do you balance those two? And like, do they just exist in your universe? Yeah. Fine? Or? Yeah, I don't, um, there's no conscious effort. <laughs> it's yeah, just... We don't really have a sound we're going after. We we don't really talk about, um, hey, let's push it a little more this direction, make it sound a little more Morrissey than whatever. We we really don't kind of bring that to the table. We just, I think when it's left to my own devices, it ends up sounding a little more um, country. Um, and then when Joe got into the mix, it ended up sounding more ethereal. So that I think the ethereal element came from Joe. I think more than than for me for sure yeah um and, but you know yeah the i mean the british thing i've i've definitely heard that before in terms of the way i sing and lyrically and things like that so i don't know that's probably just my influences yeah and you, and you mix in like you know joe you mix in your kind of like ethereal chimey guitar over the top of it that makes even sound even more you know british mm-hmm. you know like sure. uh, like i said you too is what i went back to because they were kind of the progenitors of that like earthy thing with ethereal stuff on top of it but it goes a lot deeper than that in the british styles even american styles too mm-hmm. um and if the band here's this kind of a funny question because when bands start playing it's like they it's like they they turn to covers a lot just because it's feel like it's common ground, it's a place to kind of establish your just to play together, you know, to jam. I hate mm. to use that word, but mm. to jam. Like, if if you guys were gonna play, this is a really interesting thing because I think Fish was the first band I heard of that did this. They would play a whole album, mm. you know. And then I think MTV did a thing a few years later where they would have a band come in and play a whole album by a particular artist. But if you guys could agree on playing an album, top to bottom, covering every song on that record, what would you guys do? Oh my, it would be very hard to come just, up with something. You just throw all, throw an idea about that there. we all want to do. I think that would be very difficult. Um, well, come on, man, you're the dictator. Tell them what they're going to do. <laughs> oh crap. Um, let's see. God, top to bottom album. Uh, this is the first thing that popped in my head is too contemporary. I would say Beck Z Change. Oh, that's that's actually a good choice. <laughs> but it's so contemporary. Um, uh, you know, every now and again yeah. that happens. Like, uh, who hunky was it? Do- hunky Dory, David was it, Boy. Was it Amy Mann that covered The Scientist, which was that Coldplay song? Like, it was oh, only yeah, a right. couple, few years later. Yeah. And it actually was kind of cool. And then Ryan Adams covered uh, that, uh, what's that band that imitates the Beatles? Oh, man, why can't I think of that band? You, wait, Oasis. What? Yeah, Oasis. Uh, yeah, uh, Brian Adams covered, not Brian Adams, but Ryan Adams right. covered that, that Oasis tune. Huh. And it was right after they did it. So I don't think yeah. that's out of bounds anymore to do that. It's just the, the thing is, is that Sea Change is perfect. I wouldn't want to touch it. <laughs> I, just, I just wouldn't want to come near it. It's so perfect. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think the reason it popped in my head is just because I love it so much. But um, I think I would have to, it would have to be something that I felt like we could at least reinterpret. Um, that our style would, you know, would do justice to, to yeah. reinterpret. I, I don't think that would be a great choice yeah. at all. Joe, what, what would your vote be? Card Blanche, you'd like, pretend he's not in the room. You're going you're gonna to do a, uh, an album with this band. Cover the whole thing, top to bottom. <laughs> if I could cover an album, the whole thing, top to bottom with this band, it would be a Discovery. Bye. Uh, Discovery. I, I think their album is called, uh, oh, oh, God, what's it called? It's, a, it's that collaborative group. It's very completely not at all what we sound like. It's it's more uh dancey, like synthy, almost hip hoppy, but uh 
<laughs> That's who I'd want to cover. Yeah. All right. Well, well, okay. That would, One, that would, two, three, go. <laughs> that would that would at least that would at least have that element. You know, that would have that element of like being able to reinterpret. Then, I, yeah. You know, that's what I would want to do in that in for that kind of a project. Yeah. I you do, need to make it your own. Yeah. Something that's not in our genre whatsoever. I think would be cool to to reinterpret. Yeah. So sea change and discovery together. <laughs> yeah. Go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So in all seriousness, how about another tune from you guys before we get wrapped up here? We've got enough time enough time yeah. to do about another track okay. here. Well, um. I don't know. Do you want like a more upbeat one or a less upbeat one? It's a dealer's choice, man. Dealer's You've got the guitars. Saving play, Grace or Clarence. what you'd like. Um, let's do Saving Grace. All right. This is the radio edit. Now all set. As time goes by and you see less of me Don't you ever wonder why let there be no mystery I lost the taste for the bait you troll And the bobs on your hooks have grown dull So now I don't get jerked around whenever you decide to might see that as a weakness, but I, I see it as my saving grace. You think I lost my direction, but I, I feel I'm finally finding my own way. When I served me up what you call love, and I ate it up greedily. Well, maybe I was just starving, or maybe I was being naive. Oh, maybe you're right, and I've grown cold. But I'd rather die alone than to spend one more minute of my life here where things only grow. You seem to think you're some kind of victim, but I say we all make our own. Call it my idealism I see it as my saving grace Now you can stop pretending you're so concerned about me You only care how it reflects on you I'll just save us both a whole lot of guilt and misery And go in and have myself removed You see it as a weakness but I gentlemen very very nice gentlemen sunken ships here on independence day we've got just a few minutes left to talk about just a couple quick topics before we get you guys rolled on out of here seems to me you're kind of almost channeling bob dylan a little bit on that song kind of uh sure yeah it's kind of he's his his, one of of his trademarks is is like forcing too many uh, words into a phrase Mm -hmm, you know like mm -hmm. piling them in there until they spill out over the sides and i've always kind of liked that style yeah and i think that probably comes from just um you know forgetting about the formula, you know, the rhyming formula that you have going on and and just trying, you know, yeah, 
trying to get the whole idea in there without worrying too much about rhyming or you know or uh, having everything match perfectly yeah yeah well music is inexact just like life it's kind of a mixture of an art and a science and voodoo and cheap tricks just like uh, han solo would say yeah <laughs> you know uh, so what's what's next for the band here? You said you guys are working on some recordings, and do you have guys have a release? Yeah, like we're kind of we're schedule? pretty close to finishing the album. We're we're not uh, we don't have a release date yet, um, yeah. but uh, you know we're we're in those final stages. We've got uh, most of it done, and we're just kind of doing the fine fine tuning. And uh, we've been working really hard on it. We've been working since uh, about June on this album and it's uh we're pretty happy about how it's turning out so far so. and you'll be you'll be promoting that i'm assuming through your website we which we talked be. about before sunkenshipsmusic.com are you guys on the myspace or the facebook either, either uh those? we are on facebook that's our, our most active um social networking outlet i would say um yeah facebook.com slash sunken ships music okay very very nice yeah and so we have a show uh on the 22nd at lot one cafe in echo park week from today in there. Uh-huh. and that's a, these are both 20 there's two shows we're going to talk about here actually so you've got a third one down in san diego but it's a little, mm. a little far but a lot of our listeners you know they're on the internet you never know we might have some some listeners down there in san diego so again uh like i said lot one cafe echo park uh, it's a 21 and over show. That's February 22nd, a week from tonight. Also, Silver Lake Lounge in beautiful Silver Lake, California. You guys could practically walk to that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, March 13th, 9 p.m., also 21 and over. And I just wanted to say we're playing with a good friend of mine um, who uh, his band is called Burial at Sea. And so that's going to be a fun one at the Silver Lake Lounge on March 13th. Silver Lake Lounge is a very interesting place to see a show. You know, it can get kind of raucous in there sometimes, and it's, the stage has got that weird thing over the top Salvation. of it. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll make sure it gets crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's one of our favorite places to play. It's just, you know, it's kind of the right intimacy and sounds good. Yeah, yeah, and they're, it seems to me they, they treat bands fairly well there, which is something yeah. that seems to be kind of kind of a rarity. You know, I was talking with a lot of my friends this last week, like Los Angeles is not a great town to play live in. Mm-mm. You know, people don't come here to, like, make their lives stand. If you want to do that, you go to Austin. Mm. You know, if you're going to do this, you do this. There's other, there's other certainly other advantages here, but that's, uh, that's not why we come here. So in any way, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for coming and spending your evening with us tonight, telling hey. us all about your music and what you're up to. Come back and see us and let us know when the record's coming out. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, we will play you. some we'll play some of it on the air for you. Next week on Independence Day, we are very happy to have one of my favorite new musical discoveries of the year so far, Honey Honey. Thanks to Ray Argyle and Joe Mullins from Sunken Ships. Also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski, and to Valentina Rivera and engineer Matt Brown from Lancer Radio. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Be good to one another.